You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and the outs of the solar industry and what it means for solar owners and industry. With Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clanergy, providers of innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy, one step off the grid and the EV-focused The Driven. And joining me as usual is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. And um, I should actually just share you um, his full description. My fellow <laughs> woke Prosecco Puritan. Nigel, it's good to be back. <laughs> yes, yes. It's good to be back as a uh, woke Prosecco Puritan and uh, welcome to all our bedwetting climate alarmist listeners. We love you all. Oh, look, this sounds like the introduction to a Sky News show. (laughs) It does. In fact, I had to start a spreadsheet, would you believe? I've got a spreadsheet that's that's accumulating all the terminology uh, that Sky News likes to refer to uh, you and I and uh, all our listeners as. And, um, yeah, I thought bedwetting climate alarmist was... uh, was the best one for the week, actually. Oh, look, you know, bedwetting climate. I, I think I might have heard that one for a, for a while, actually. But um, I'm, I'm just actually quite impro- impressed with the woke Prosecco Puritan. I, mean, I, didn't, actually, I didn't actually, I didn't actually understand. I didn't actually know that they had such great elocution. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. My look, my, you know, my, my uh, hat tip to them, I've got to say. Hat tip yeah. to them. So, yeah. 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 Now, now, Nigel, um, uh, sharp eared um, listeners may um, sort of discern that you're not at your usual microphone. Um, my understanding is that you went to the um, the uh, Sunset Solar Drinks or um, um, yesterday. Sundowners. Sundowners. Sundowners Solar in New South, in Sydney, and uh, didn't quite make it home. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's nice to think of me not making it home because I'm out all night long. But uh, those days are past, Giles. You just came yeah. into the office and forgot to bring your microphone. Oh, I did, yeah, 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 yeah. It was a great story, though. Great story. <laughs> keep the keep the dream alive. <laughs> keep the dream alive. Oh, you never know. Um, yes. So sundowners, lots of people I hear. Oh, it was epic. In fact, uh, I think the biggest one I've ever had. There was better part of 400 people there, according to the pundits. Mm-hmm. And um, it was extraordinary. It was shoulder to shoulder. Um, it was the entire venue. We've sort of gone from, I think actually I was talking to Mike and, and Gav, who, who started this event. The first one, they had 20 people and just had a bit of a catch-up and a yarn and a couple of beers. And uh, now... Um, yeah, they need to hire an entire venue. They need uh, tens and tens of thousands of dollars uh, across the bar to keep the tab alive. And, um, you know, 400 people braved the uh, very, very chilly conditions in Sydney to rub shoulders with each other. And uh, I have to say it was a really good night. There was all sorts of people there as usual and lots of really interesting conversations from, from pretty much every part of the solar industry too. So, you know, it was really good. So um, am I right in thinking there's been a bit of a change in mood? Because it was only about four weeks ago we were down in the Smart Energy Summit and you sort of walked around the, um, 
you walked around the uh, the exposition hall and there's half the people there were looking a bit down in the dumps because of all the sort of supplier problem and the installations problems because of the weather. Um, but I guess what we've seen since then is these unbelievably high prices and that might have given a bit of a boost to the solar industry. Yes, uh, you're exactly right, Giles. And in fact, the mood has shifted, um, you know, epically, I would say, from a few weeks ago um, uh, where, where the, you know, the, the mood was a bit more dour, as you say. I've got a couple of metrics for you too to uh, and a couple of statements from people to give you an idea. Number one, I had a look at uh, just the general Google search terms and there's a very clear uh, rise of, of about 20 or 30%, I reckon, in, in inquiries searching for the various different solar terms. Secondly, I actually did a little poll today um, on Facebook on one of the big pages and um, very, very interesting results. So I asked the question, you know, in the last few weeks, uh, the rate of solar inquiries and leads has, and I had the choice, stayed the same, increased by about 20%, increased by 50%, increased by... 50 to 100% increased by more than 100%. And the results were quite something. So overall, 90% of the uh, sole retailers who participated all said that leads and inquiries had grown. Get this, 22% said leads have gone up by more than 100%. Um, yeah, and 40% said they'd increased by, um, by uh, around 50%. Um, only 7% said they'd stayed the same and none said they had decreased. Um, and in fact, I rang, uh, rang a, good, uh, a good solar retailer, a good guy that I know, Luke from Arcana Energy, and asked him and he said, mate, it's uh, over 100% growth for them. He said, notably, the conversion rate is really, really strong as well. And he said, what was really interesting is it's batteries that people are looking for. He actually said, it was really interesting. He said, people literally, some lady rang me today and said, please, please, get me a battery, sort me out with a battery. I really, really need one. And, and he said, the mood has changed from, uh, I want to talk to you about the ROI on a battery to I need a battery, I'm fearful, and, I, and, I'm, and they're buying out of fear. So I think it's pretty safe to say that across the board, leads and inquiries are through the roof, conversions are through the roof, and it's being driven by the, um, the headlines that we see every single day about energy prices. So yeah, the worm has turned. Um, well, that's pretty interesting. And look, just um, breaking news. Um, and look, just before I just give that, um, just yeah, well, I would, I, I would have always thought that a battery would have been a battery purchase would have been driven by need and desire rather than ROI because it probably still doesn't make sense. But look, who knows? Um, for some people, it might do, um, but um, maybe not on the grid. Um, SunWiz, of course, one of our sponsors, along with uh, Solar Analytics and Clinergy, has uh, we've just got hold of their data for May, which is a big rebound from April, 215 megawatts installed from 172 megawatts in April. Granted, there's a bit of Easter happening and um, Anzac Day in April. Uh, but it does look a rebound. So based on your anecdotal evidence then, Nigel, should be a big, even bigger rebound in June and possibly getting back up to where we were this time last year, which was around the 270 megawatt mark. Um, that's probably what it was for May last year and June. So, we're like, you know, even with this rebound, we're kind of down 25%. I'm just doing a quick calculation. I think I got that right, Nigel. 25%, mm. but maybe a bit of a rebound, um, further rebound in June and July. So, um, some good news. Some good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone was feeling quite optimistic. And of course, they'll fill their pipelines up. So, you know, this will keep them busy for several months, I would, uh, I would suspect.
Okay, and that's probably why um, they're going to be busy, so that's why there was still some beer left at the pub at, by the end of it. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the, re- the only reason there was more, there was beer still flowing at the very end of the night was uh, because the bar tab was enormous. Uh, and despite our very best efforts, we didn't even smash the tab out last night. So disappointing, actually, I have to say. We does, usually, does, we, does, 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 the, does the tab get a carryover to the next meeting? No, no, it doesn't. Oh, oh, oh! Well, maybe you should just buy an advertising spot in Sky News or something instead with it. You know, <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. I'm a bit worried you're actually listening to that stuff and watching it. I mean, what? I mean, do you have something else to do in the evening? <laughs> you know, my dad always said to me, "It always is a great, um, a great um, thing to do to listen to the other side of an argument." Um, no matter how stupid it might seem, no, no matter how big the idiot might appear to be on Sky News, uh, I take that as the opposite end of the argument and I do try to, um, you know, balance my views by trying to hear the other side. Oh, um, or, or alternatively, know thy enemy um, and know what they're thinking. Um, Nigel, there's some pretty strange going on despite everything, despite the sort of the rebound and the sort of, you know, the, 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 the positive sentiment. There's been some pretty weird decisions made in South Australia in particular, accessing the battery rebate and the solar rebate for low-income homes and the EV charge. I'm not sure what's going on with the EV charge rebate. Um, on, the con- on the flip side, um, um, well, now, t- tell me what's happening in South Australia first. Yeah, well, you're exactly right. I think you guys have reported on this on the axing in detail on the on the axing of the um, uh, of the battery rebate, which um, you know has has some pros and cons actually. And I, I I thought, well, rather than me speculating, I'll ring someone I know down there. So I rang Eddie May from NRG Australia and asked him what his thoughts were on it being axed. Mm-hmm. His first comment was he actually thought it was a not a bad thing. Um, because there was such an influx of companies into the South Australian market who weren't based there, who weren't interested in, the, in you know, really building a sustainable business opportunity. They were just racing in after the rebates. And he said, you know, it just, just decimated the local industry. So from that perspective, he was quite happy because he said, well, they'll leave now um, and we can get back to, you know, probably having about 20 or 30 companies instead of 100 servicing the market. So that was good. Um and, um, you know, the other thing that he really highlighted that was fantastic is that, you know, at the end of the day, for all the bagging of the South Australian government going that scheme, it, it worked out at more than roughly 20 megawatt hours of installed batteries behind the meter. And that is 20,000 odd batteries, a phenomenal outcome, even though it didn't do 40,000 like they hoped. Getting 20,000 batteries out, it was absolutely phenomenal. And it built confidence in the market. It, it, when it's, it's this fickle thing that I've talked about so many times before, actually, where when the government, any government, comes out and says, solar's a good idea or batteries are a good idea and, and, and you know, we support them, people do pay attention to that. Conversely, they bag them and say, oh, it's costing us too much. It's not really helping. It slows demand. And this is just a classic example of it. Um, he did highlight that the um, there was an EV charger rebate that was going to come in, a smart charger rebate that has already been axed before it got going, which he was quite disappointed about. Um, 
and the solar I hadn't, I hadn't yeah. heard of that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. 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 He was. He. He did say. Eddie did say that he was a bit concerned that it was perhaps uh, they hadn't done enough consultation with the industry, which was his only real criticism of the battery rebate scheme that they hadn't consulted with the industry before they rolled it out. At the end, they did, and there was now some great work um, being done to to collaborate with the industry. But you know, they'd rolled out the EV charger rebate rebate in the same way or announced it in the same way without consulting first, which was likely to cause some problems. Mm. Um, and they also axed the solar rebate for low-income homes, um, uh, citing a, a number of problems with it, which was very disappointing. And lo and behold, uh, you know, a week after they axed their low-income solar rebate, the New South Wales government came out today, breaking news, and announced a program for 30,000 homes based on low income. Uh, so, you know, uh, <laughs> the usual fun and games across the nation of Australia. <laughs> well, that's right. And you just wonder, there's a little bit too much politics in this. So South Australia Labor government cancels the um, solar rebate scheme for low-income homes and the Liberal government in New South Wales expands it up to 30,000 homes, which is a bit um, ironic. And look, you know, with this battery scheme, it's sort of been going flipping all over the place. Um, before they lost government in 2018, um, South Australia Labor had actually proposed their own one with the Tesla thing. Um, based around Tesla, 10,000 batteries I think they wanted to get. Um, Liberals came in. The first thing they said was, oh, we're going to stop this scheme, blah, 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 blah. There was such a pushback on that because that's one of the first stories that we wrote about the new government and there was such a pushback about that. They actually sort of changed their minds and then they expanded it to this $50,000 one. And now Labor come back in again saying, well, we don't like that. (laughs) You got twice as much as what we proposed, but only half as much as you said. So, um, you know, and you're just going, oh, guys, really? Are we thinking carefully about policy here? Or are we just going tit for tat because it's not your idea or it's my idea or, or something like that? So um, that's a bit disappointing. It is. State-based schemes are always a bit like this, right? They're always a bit fraught with, with local politics. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's ever been a state-based scheme that hasn't had, you know, really, really clear political drivers behind it. There, there are often other drivers as well, but it's, yeah, the politics do get in the way in these uh, state-based games. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, now, um, one of the things that we should be careful of, and it's a bit of a, um, unfortunately, it's a bit of a common theme, um, but one that we're happy to sort of dip into, just to sort of call it out, um, with the big boom and inquiries and with the high market prices, um, there's been a bit of crap solar around. Or crap quotes. Crap quotes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I've got a lot of crap stories this week, unfortunately. I've had a really angry, frustrated uh, crap solar week. Um, Firstly, uh, for those of you who like um, to have a listen to GSB, Great Solar Business, I actually did an episode last week on how to lose a solar sale with a crap solar quote that was based on a real example of a story that happened to a friend of mine and it was just just absolutely appalling um, what had happened. So there's a whole episode based on a rant from there. Um, um, and um, I also, you know, I have to say, Giles, my Facebook feed in the last week is has just been swamped in Facebook ads. And it actually got me really thinking about this because some of the ads are just, you know, 
to, it's a good ad from a solar company. There are basically two types of ads that you're going to see, right? One is a good ad from a solar company that extols the virtues of solar, extols the virtues of their solar company. There's even some good lead generation companies that do really good, honest, transparent advertising. And, and so we all have to advertise. We all have to sell the features and benefits and sell them hard. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I am disgusted and appalled with the number of garbage ads and um you know you can characterize them as as companies who don't want to disclose who they are they hide themselves between behind abns they they um they create misleading ads that oversell the benefits um uh, they, they many of them purport to actually be government or they use you know people's faces from government to to try and get people to click on the ads um, some of them look like a solar company when they're not a solar company. Um, and the idea is, of course, to just scoop up loads and loads of ads. And in fact, I to, just to prove the point, I actually went down a rabbit warren chasing one of these uh, ads today to find out who created this ad, where did it come from? And it actually all uh, came from one uh, company who specialises in um, uh, these, particularly in Facebook solar ads. And get this, Giles, there's a video on their website featuring a deep a deep fake uh, character uh, who talks about how wonderful they are. And get this, he proudly declares that they have more than 5,000 generic Facebook pages and have more than 10,000 pre-made and tested solar ads ready to go, ready to go. So, you know... There's nothing wrong with advertising. We have to advertise. We have to market. We have to promote. But I am appalled and disgusted by um, the way that this is the, the behaviour of some of these companies. I just think it's I just think it's bloody disgusting and deceptive. There's no need for it. Well, quite right too. Quite right too. Um, how do we stamp it out? Well, that is a whole nother topic in itself. And I actually rang a couple of people I know who are in that industry today to have a bit of a conversation with them. And it's very hard. Um, but I think uh, I think that's a great topic to come back to. Okie dokie, okie dokie. What else is on your agenda here, um, Nigel? Um, something about geothermal, or is there, is there more to say about... Um... Um, well, there's lots more to say about crap solar, but... Um, oh, no, keep on right. going, keep on, no, keep on going, keep on going with crap solar. Sorry, I thought, <laughs> I thought you were finished. I just thought, you know... <laughs> I'm sorry. No, scroll down. Scroll down. Scroll down. Scroll down. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, um, dear. I, the, the, one, the one thing I will do, I, I did some mystery shopping this week, so I actually rang, uh, rang a couple um, of, uh, of those ad providers and, and, and basically replicated the deceptive and misleading conduct that uh, my friend had experienced, which uh, resulted in me making a lot of angry phone calls to, to people about the behaviour of this company. Um, and uh, I did actually see that the Clean Energy Council has published a suspension of Simply Solar and Storage uh, from their approved retailer program. So they've been they've been booted out. Um, and, and I quote, with immediate effect for demonstrating serious, willful, systemic and repetitive non-compliance, which is detrimental to cons to consumers. So, um, and, and actually Simply Solar and Storage, who were booted out, were featured, and I'm going to name them because they were already in the public domain, on a current affair on Friday night. There was a big story about uh, the same company. So I have to say, it's great to see, uh, I'll say that I always say, the approved solar retailer program is not perfect. It has uh, 
it has its faults, but it is good to see that they can apply some leverage and have actually, you know, this prevents Simply Solar and Storage from trading in the Victorian market now because they've lost their ASL status. So good on them. Um, okay. It's also worth noting. It's, so where, it's also, sorry, where were they based? They were based in Victoria. Okay. Um, yep, yep, yep. There's a lot of detail on the current affairs story about, um, you know, I, I don't know the story about what's behind it, but there was the, the, the typical complaints were um, taking deposits and not installing systems or having problems and not rectifying the problems or promising to give refunds and not giving refunds. So, you know, it was complaint after complaint after complaint. Um, um, so, you know, I don't know whether they've lost control of their business or were being deliberate and deceiving. Uh, it's not for me to say, but clearly they um, uh, they weren't able to do the, uh, a good enough job of it, and so they've been uh, they've been booted out. Um, it's also interesting to see that you know there were a number of other companies. Sun Life Energy was suspended not long ago, and there were about, there's about half a dozen companies who actually have been put on notice um, by um, uh, as part of the uh, administrators uh, ASR program. Um, about bad behaviour or complaints or whatever it may be. But interestingly, those, there's about half a dozen on there that subsequently implemented remedial actions that satisfied the, the, the administrator that they had improved their performance and that they actually learned a lesson and re really genuinely wanted to try and improve um, so that those complaints didn't happen again. So, you know, there's some good news and some bad news. And to wrap all of this up, again, digging more broadly and going, well, you know, what's going on out there? Is this a, is this a trend? Are there lots more complaints? What's going on out there? And I have to say, um, I looked across the Clean Energy Regulators database for enforceable undertakings, New South Wales Fair Trading, the ACCC and Queensland and South Australian registries, and they all reveal a quite a dramatic dr reduction in the number of complaints over the last year or so. So I think the trend is heading in the right way based on the public complaint registries at least. Um, but there's clearly, you know, there's clearly some shenanigans going on and this, this um, mini boom that we're having right now is, uh, is probably not going to help things. Mm. Mate, I think we'll allow you to take a break and get a message from one of our sponsors. SunWiz are Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz now offers a unique business-wide solution for solar retailers. Differentiate and automate your business with a tailored implementation that builds referrals. Visit somewiz.com.au forward slash accelerate and discover how you can boost your profits while working less. And of course, we'd like to thank all our sponsors uh, for the Solar Insiders podcast. Um, Clenergy, Sunwiz and Solar Analytics. Nigel, a slight change of pace out to Outback Queensland, geothermal plant. I haven't heard about geothermal since, gosh since I sold my geodynamics shares nearly a decade ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or had them taken away a, from me. I can't remember which one it was now. But um. <laughs> that was, that was the Losing them was the best, uh, best investment decision you've made, it would appear. <laughs> oh, dear. Look, I was one of the many people who got very excited about Hot Rock uh, Geothermal. Um, come, came to nothing. Um, I didn't do quite as badly as Origin Energy. They wrote off about $200 million from, um, was it Geodynamics or Petrotherm or both? I can't remember now. Um, yeah. Funnily enough, though, um, I did hear about um, Geothermal from Strike Energy, which is, um, God, what's his name that did the um, did the gas-led recovery, appointed to do gas-led recovery? He's the director of Strike Energy. It's an oil and gas thing. They're looking to do geothermal over in WA. 
um, not with hot rocks, but with just like hot liquid. Um, the only time and I, I know that it's actually been used in the past is at Birdsville, but I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. that plant has been shut down. Mm -hmm. There's another story here from the ABC about Winton hasn't turned out very well. That's right. And, uh, and you know, it was interesting to me because for exactly the same reason you mentioned, Giles, was geothermal was all the rage, you know, five, ten years ago. It looked like it was going to be great and the 24-hour the nature of the energy delivery was was touted as well, log just logically. It's a wonderful, wonderful technology and very successful in many parts of the world. But the problem is Australia is has some of the lowest temperatures uh, globally um, and and just combine that with the very very remote locations that we're dealing with and these projects have just not worked successfully now um, the one in Winton in particular is um, you know they've been trying to work out whether it's salvageable and they might get some energy out they might be able to get it up and running certainly the proponents of the project think they can um, but, you know, there's millions of dollars in several years and, you know, the whole thing seems to have ground to a halt and everyone's kind of lost faith in, in the whole project now, which is, which is a great shame, actually, but it kind of highlights really, sadly, how, um, how difficult geothermal seems to be in Australia. Well, yeah, well, that's interesting too because, I mean, well, there's two different types of geothermal. I mean, the ones that we're talking about there for Birdsville and the one being promoted by Strike Energy over in WA is actually for sort of like lower temperature geothermal stuff, which is actually sort of shallower and comes in liquid form, whereas the stuff mm. that um, the geodynamics and the petrothermics were trying to do a decade ago, that was hot rocks. That was like super hot rocks, but they're about five kilometres under the ground and they had all sorts of problems with the chemistry and stuff like that and, um, and the physics, and um, that's actually turned out to be really hard to do so um um yeah, yeah but um either way because it's look it's quite common in in new zealand and um iceland and um many other places it's um it's quite a lot widely used but maybe we just don't have the right temperature or maybe 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 um the technology here or the implementation wasn't that good yeah, who can say? It, it is a great shame, but I think I read a couple of follow-up stories on this and the, the sort of overall consensus was that, you know, the combination of low temperatures and really, really tricky um, uh, geodynamics, if you like, the, you know, either how deep you've got to go or the terrain that you're working with and all those kinds of things just make it really unviable. And, of course, you've got to have a source for that power that's close by or else your transmission distribution costs blow the, blow the projects out of the water, and that's been a challenge in many of these projects as well. Mm, okay. Anything else to do with solar and energy at the moment? Um, we haven't yet heard at the time of recording this. Um, the energy ministers were meeting to try and come up with some um, sort of a solution. Of course, the uh, nationals have just gone completely, and the liberals have just gone completely crazy and decided that nuclear is the answer to all our problems. Um, so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not too sure... <laughs> What's, well, what's, what, what, what's, what's a quick and cheap fix? I know. I'll build a nuclear plant. That only, oh, oh, it's it's oh, like dear. the screaming ranting of a dying man who's just flailing and, you know, just coming up with crap. They, For goodness sake. But they want you to know that they listen to you after the election results. <laughs> That's right, and apparently the only reason the only reason nuclear uh, isn't so popular in uh, in Australia is being blamed on the Simpsons now. Apparently, it's the Simpsons' fault. Oh no, really? Because of what? What's <laughs> <laughs> given given nuclear an unfair bad rap? Oh, because it yeah. always gets bagged on the Simpsons. 
that I, I kid you not, that was one of the justifications that they said, oh, you know, we've really got to take this energy seriously and not just subscribe to the kind of, you know, alarmist views that the Simpsons have spread across and normalised across the world, where, you know, where, where, you know, well, there was, yeah, there was Fukushima, and yeah, it was Chernobyl and, you know, but, you know, nuclear is unreal. Oh, dear. Mate, um, in the time we've got left, let's get on to um, electric, um, electric stuff, electric motorcycles. Um, mm. um, I just got off the phone to Michelle Fonzarelli from Fonz um, Electric Motorcycles. Um, pretty frustrated with the fact that um, their scooter um, isn't designated as a motorcycle, as it might be, because it does more than 50 kilometres an hour, and so is described as a moped. And so, therefore, gets um, misses out on stamp duty exemption in the uh, New South Wales Electric Vehicle Support Scheme. And um, look, just a couple hundred dollars, but in a four thousand dollar purchase, that's sort of reasonably significant. And she's a bit frustrated by that, but um, just goes to show some of the things about um, um, designations and things like that. Um, I mean, she shouldn't be her scooter shouldn't be called a moped because they do go quicker than that. But they say that if it looks like a Vespa and it smells like a Vespa, then it's a moped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really feel a lot of empathy for those um, for, for Michelle and her team. They've worked really hard. They've, they've actually built, you know, when I did that, I did those numbers for you on one of the blogs I wrote about uh, where uh, where the industry is up to and where the registrations are up to. And Fonzarelli, the Fonz as they're called, single-handedly responsible for the vast majority of electric two-wheeled registrations in Australia. Massive, massive success story, all down to the hard work of that team. So. You know, I really hope um, they deserve um, a little bit of a, a stamp duty concession. Mm. I really hope they get that. Yeah, well, we hope so too. We'll get an article up in that on Friday, so see what happens. Mate, you've been yeah. to a um, you've been to a launch. I have been to a launch. There's nothing better than um, there's only one thing better than going to an electric motorcycle launch, and that's riding to an electric motorcycle launch on an electric motorcycle, which is what <laughs> I got to do on you. Friday nights. <laughs> <laughs> well, how could you not? How could you not? So. My buddy and I uh, took a pair of live wires over to the launch of the Australian-made Savic electric motorbike on Friday night um, over in the inner west. Uh, lovely little night. It was actually, we, we had to I had to talk my way in uh, because it was actually for buyers, people who put down deposits. Uh, there was about 40 people on the list and, a list and they, they've actually taken deposits for 200 bikes, which is a fantastic effort. Um, they've been delayed in production, like everyone in everything. Um, so the bikes were due out some time ago and they aren't quite there, but they're saying uh, October uh, this year. Um, and everyone got to look and see and touch one of the late prototype models, um, which is which is a pretty amazing beast, pretty amazing to see what those uh, what that team has done. And, and yeah, the fact that they've survived through lockdown without being able to get this bike into production, they're still going, they've actually grown their team. So, you know, to Dennis and everyone, we, we really wish them um, the, the very best of luck. Um, I also uh, I also want to um, give another plug to the Driven podcast uh, because I had a really really fascinating interesting chat with um, some electric vehicle charging uh, guys from uh, Finland. Um, a terrific chat with Tommy, and uh, if you want to understand or get a sense of some of the different challenges that exist in the EV charging world, take a listen to that one as well. Good. Yeah, no, that was actually a really, really interesting interview. So, um, yeah, check out that. Uh, Nigel has been busy, the Great Solid Business podcast um, last week um, and also the Driven podcast this week and, of course, today's Solar Insiders podcast. Um, what else we got there, Nigel? One more thing, Energica? 
Hey, Najika, Xperia. Uh, I have to say, and I put a put a big long post up about this, but um, the Energica brand and um, out of uh, Italy, out of Medina, where Ferrari and uh, uh, Lamborghini and a whole bunch of other companies are based. Uh, Energica have actually been running for ten years. Really, really interesting company. Really, really interesting CEO. Terrific podcast about the challenges that uh, Livia. Uh, Cavallini has faced as a, as a female CEO. Um, but they last week launched uh, their latest bike, which all new bike, has the biggest battery capacity of any production electric motorcycle in the world today. 100 horsepower, or I think, yeah, 100 horsepower. So virtually the same power as, as the Harley Livewire, but in a kind of a sports tourer format. So, you know, designed for two up with a passenger, got, got all your hard cases on it, big screen, uh, heated grips, uh, can go on-road, off-road, um, and, and you know, an extraordinarily impressive looking bike. In fact, you know, arguably the world's first purpose-built electric touring motorcycle and, and just full credit to the team for um for delivering um yet another amazing bike um the first one's not due in australia till around about november i've been promised to spin on it um uh, when it gets down by the uh, the guys up at the australian electric motorcycle co who are bringing them in cool Nigel, look, I think that's a bit of a wrap um, um, this week. Um, I've been suffering from undisclosed and undeciphered or unidentified viruses. <laughs> I haven't tested positive. I'm sorry to hear there. that. I'm sorry to hear oh. that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to turn this microphone off and go back to sleep, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> really enjoyable. I'm glad you um, had a good time last night at the, um, at the, uh, at the Sundowners. Sundowners. Good to yeah. see that the industry is looking up again. Um, and uh, look, we'll be back again in a fortnight um, with another update of the Solar Insiders. Thanks to you, Nigel. Thanks to everyone out there listening. Um, thanks, of course, to our sponsors, Sunwiz Solar Analytics and Energy. And um, we'll be back again in a fortnight. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider for the solar and storage industry. Offering a unique business-wide solution for solar retailers, Sunwiz will help you differentiate and automate your business with a tailored implementation. Visit sunwiz.com.au forward slash accelerate and discover how you can boost your profits while working less. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics. You can now offer Solar Analytics from just $40 per year by connecting it directly to Fronius and SunGrow inverters. No additional hardware is required, just extra value. Solar Analytics, it's different. Learn more at solaranalytics.com.au.